Now, if you are a royal watcher, then the engagement and marriage of Meghan Markle to Prince Harry would have been an absolute thrill. Even those of us who pay as little attention as possible find it hard to ignore the arrival of this ex-actress, now Duchess of Sussex. Being of mixed heritage was a first and attracted a lot of interest, but not as much as the fairy tale story of a commoner marrying into the most famous of royal families. And the media loved to pick up on the idea of a commoner adjusting to the new expectations. And so it's no surprise when the media fuss when these ring-ins get it wrong. So I'm going to show you a photo, and I want to see if you can tell me what the new Duchess is doing wrong, what royal convention is she breaking in this photo. Yeah, she's shutting the door. <coughs> Some of the media responses were like this. Princess Meghan Markle, British royalty and Duchess of Sussex, sent social media into overdrive when she was spotted closing her own car door during her first solo event this week. One royal correspondent tweeted, a princess who still takes the time to shut her car door, well done, Megan. What a fuss over nothing. But it goes to show something of the expectations placed on royals. Expectations that rise to fever pitch around two particular events, weddings and the birth of a royal child. So like her sister-in-law Kate, in a few months we expect Megan will be admitted to St Mary's Maternity Hospital, the most expensive that money can buy. Crowds will gather, even camping outside the hospital, waiting for the announcement and the glimpse of the royal baby. But the first announcement will not be made outside the hospital or by social media, but a very uh, well-known, for those royal watchers, a well-known way. A message with the briefest details will be signed by the attending doctors and then this sheet of paper will be driven from St Mary's Hospital to Buckingham Palace. The sheet of paper is then posted on an ornate gold easel that can be seen by the crowds waiting at the palace gates. So that's how a royal baby's birth is officially announced. Only then will social media go crazy and every TV and media outlet will run with the story. So, when it comes to royal babies, future kings and queens, princes and princesses, we know what to expect. And so, now at Christmas, we cannot help but compare all this royal protocol with the arrival of Jesus. You couldn't get too great a contrast, could you? Now, poles apart. I mean, here's Jesus, not just a future king, but the future king, the king of kings. Not only this, but Jesus is of royal lineage, tracing back to King David, though that's a little obscured. And not only this, royal lineage, but divine lineage as well. For an angel declared, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. So when it comes to Jesus, we'd expect that both the birth and the public announcement to be as wonderful and prestigious as any other royal baby. And so this morning we're going to explore the birth of Jesus and the announcement and compare that to normal royal announcements. 
and then we'll look at the implications for us, application. So, to the birth. We've already looked very briefly at a typical modern birth and we'd expect at least something similar even in biblical days. So let's remind ourselves how Jesus arrived into the world and whether it is as grand as it should have been. And so, uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now in this prelude to Jesus' birth, we're introduced to two very important people. Caesar Augustus, who's ruler and most powerful person in the civilised world, and Quirinius, ruler and most powerful person of the region. What role will these important people play in the birth of the king of kings? So we'll read on. Verse 3. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, where he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary. And here we find out that Joseph belongs to the house in the line of David. And this is very important. The father of Jesus has a noble birth line. The baby will have royal blood. Well, or Willie. You see, Joseph may have royal lineage, but as we find out later in the Gospel of Luke, he's far away from any royal court. He is a carpenter, a tradie. Not only this, but Joseph isn't even the biological father. And because we're talking about the virgin birth, one of the greatest miracles at Christmas. And so any royal lineage is weak at best. Another thing that's puzzling is the reason for their travel. It's all about paying taxes. The census was a revenue-gathering exercise where Caesar not only wanted to have an idea of numbers in his empire, but to levy an extra tax. Joseph was on his way to pay that tax. This is not at all a prestigious reason to travel, especially since royal people were generally exempt from paying taxes. So maybe the birth becomes more regal as events unfold. Uh, verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So it's great that Mary is accompanying Joseph, but here we learn they're not even married, just engaged. Even in modern royal circles, this is frowned upon, and in biblical times, it was not accepted. Any account of a regal birth is just not shaping up as we read through Luke's account. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So when it comes to royal protocol, this is the last straw. The venue is completely unacceptable. There are no royal attendants. There are no royal doctors or physicians. There are not even family members. No palace but an animal enclosure of some kind. There's no nursery, no nanny, only a rough wooden feeding trough, a manger. This is as far away as a royal birth as you can get. Yet, this was God's will, God's plan and God's timing. So, what's behind this least regal of royal births? 
Well, to answer this, we need to turn to Mary. Uh, You see, none of the men have a clue. Not Augustus, the most powerful man in the world, no idea. Quirinius, most powerful man in the region, not a clue. We can't even turn to Joseph, not because he doesn't know what's happening, but just because he's silent in this gospel. He doesn't speak. Yes, it's Mary herself who hints at the reason behind this most unexpected birth. So we turn back to, to Luke chapter 1, verse 39. We see the newly pregnant Mary going to stay with a relative, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is also expecting. She's about six months further on. And she's carrying John, John the Baptist. And when the two women meet, John leaps within his mother's womb. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth declares this movement, this leaping, is in response to the Messiah that Mary herself is carrying. Mary in turn responds with words, a song. And in this song, the agenda for her son is set. So Luke 1 from verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Now with the Messiah's coming, what will happen? Well, the proud will be scattered, the rulers will be brought down, and the rich will be sent away empty. Instead, the Messiah will lift up the humble and fill the hungry. And the circumstances surrounding his birth reflect this mandate. Can you see why there were no rulers or wealthy, no Augustus or Quirinius? Why? Because these are the ones the Messiah came to scatter, to bring down, to send away empty. Instead, Jesus was surrounded by lowly shepherds and a mum and dad of humble circumstances. Why? Well, these are the very people that Jesus came to lift up, to lift up the humble and to fill the empty. And this is why Jesus was born in a lowly stable and not the prestigious St Mary's Hospital in London. So, this is the birth. What about the announcement? Though the birth is very non-regal, what about the proclamation of the newborn king? Is it anything like modern crowds gathered around a golden easel at the palace gates? Well, at first glance, you might say, yes, the announcement is far better than any golden easel. Listen to Luke 2:13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory God in the highest and on earth, peace to all whom his favour rests. Isn't that awesome? A host of angels. We can imagine Caesar woken up in the middle of the night to this heavenly host. Or maybe he's holding court in his imperial palace and the angels appear and all the courtiers and people in the palace fall on their faces. Finally, with this heavenly host, we have something suitably regal and far better than any modern equivalent. If the birth had been unspectacular, it's hard to beat this host of angels. Except, hang on a minute, when we read carefully, it's not the emperor or the governor that these angels appear to. It's a bunch of shepherds tending their flock by night. Now back then, shepherding didn't carry the same high status as it does in modern day New Zealand, if it ever did. Back then, shepherding uh, was looked down upon. Shepherds were marginalised and on the edge of society. 
So why is God sending an awesome host of angels to a bunch of mangy shepherds? Isn't it a bit of a waste? They should have gone to the emperor or the governor or even the vassal King Herod in Jerusalem. But again, the announcement, just like the birth, the announcement is totally consistent with the mandate that we heard from Mary. A Messiah who will scatter the proud, bring down rulers and send the rich away empty, all the while lifting up the humble and the hungry. And so this is why the host of angels made the royal announcement to lowly shepherds. And after the angels departed, the shepherds knew exactly what to do, for they were told how to find this most royal of babies. In verse 16, So the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about him and his child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so there we have it. A complete contrast between the birth and the announcement of a royal baby and that of Jesus. And we've seen why it must be so. We can see why it could have been no other way because Jesus' birth reflected his mandate to scatter the proud, bring down rulers and send the rich away empty, while the announcement to the shepherds aligns to having the humble lifted up and the hungry filled. The proud and rulers and the rich were absent from the birth of Jesus, while the lowly shepherds not only received the heavenly announcement, but were first to visit the newborn king. And this brings us to our application, our take-home. What are the implications of this unexpected birth for us? Well, out of the many, there's just one I want to focus on, and that's the example of the shepherds. Did you notice what they did when they discovered the baby Jesus? Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. They were excited when the angels visited and they were even more excited when they discovered the royal baby, just as the angels had described. So what did they do? They spread the word. They told everyone who would listen. They didn't just say, we've seen a baby and uh, a whole bunch of angels. They repeated what the angels had declared to them. So that's quite important. See, they didn't just say, wow, we've seen a whole bunch of angels and a wee baby. They've said... They said that, and then they said, and this is what the angel told us about this baby. And what did the angels tell them? Well, verse 11, Luke 2, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And we do well to pay attention to what the angels told the shepherds, who then went on to tell everyone who would listen. Tucked in here are four key areas that we need when we're sharing our faith, a guide to how to witness. And the first thing we're told is that the baby was born in the town of David. And this is all about prophecies fulfilled. Prophecies fulfilled are a powerful witness to those who don't know Jesus. That hundreds of years earlier, details about Jesus were written down and then came true are impossible to explain apart from God's hand. 
It wasn't just as if there were one or two prophecies fulfilled. There were many, many fulfilled. There were over 20 fulfilled just in the day of his crucifixion. And they're not prophecies that you could think, oh, I've read that in the Bible, so I'm going to do that. If you know what I mean? Jesus had no control over where he was born and the circumstances. And yet they were prophesied in Isaiah and other prophets. When you look at the many examples and how they were uniquely fulfilled in Jesus, even the most hardened sceptic has to concede ground. Secondly, we're told that the baby was a saviour. Jesus came to save. And this points to our desperate need. You see, if our most desperate need was money, God would have sent a financial advisor or a chartered accountant. If our most desperate need was relationships, better relationships, God would have sent to us a counsellor. If our greatest and most desperate need was better thinking, God would have sent a philosopher. But no, he didn't. None of those. Because our greatest need is to be rescued from sin and death. And so God sent us exactly what we needed, a saviour. And this is the message we need to tell people. Dealing with sin and death is our greatest need Turn to Jesus and be set free. Thirdly, and to make the first two points crystal clear, the angel refers to this royal baby as Christ, the Messiah, God's anointed, the one prophesied to come to be saviour to all who turn to him. And so that Christ is summing up the prophecies and his role of saviour. And finally, The angels told the shepherds who told everyone else that this royal baby was Lord, one whom we gladly bow our knee and worship. Just as the shepherds did in verse verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And so our encouragement, our take-home from today's message is this Christmas and all year round let's be like the shepherds and tell folk about this royal baby let us be encouraged to witness to our Saviour and Lord and so what have we seen today well as far as royal baby goes Jesus born to Mary and Joseph and placed in a manger is a most unexpected birth It breaks every royal convention. In fact, many people consider this not at all a royal birth. And that may be so, but this was a birth that reflected the royal baby's mandate to scatter the proud, bring down rulers, send the rich away empty, all the while while lifting up the humble and filling the hungry. And this is good news to all those who, like shepherds, have felt like outsiders, marginalised, or left out. I mean, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt left out, pushed to the side, at work, at school, in family, friends? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to lift up the humble, like the shepherds, and to fill the hungry. Have you ever felt that there's something missing, a hunger or thirst, and you can't put your finger on it? The good news is that something that's missing is Jesus, and he's come 
He came on that first Christmas. He went from the manger to the cross so that he can be our all and all. And Jesus has you on his radar. He has you in his sights. You are in range to be loved and accepted and forgiven by this most royal of babies. He's tapping you on the shoulders and saying, come, follow me. So let us not be shy, but let us be like the angels in spreading abroad this good news. Let us not be shy, but also be like the shepherds and bow down and worship the most royal of all babies. Let's pray.